when you're working and operating as a team member as opposed to an individual and you're opening up and expanding with generosity, you're actually creating a more pleasant and loving biosphere that you get to benefit from as well. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Relationships. Let's talk about it. And I have another conversation with a returning guest, Kathy Courtney. And we talk about how important it is to foster the feeling of us, the we in relationships, how to be a real team, and how to create their relationship communication to talk relational in building the team. It's a real juicy conversation. I love having my conversations with Kathy. Kathy is a conscious relating coach, and she works with individuals and couples. She is extremely passionate about doing this work. And I just love talking to other people that have the same passion and relationship work that I do. So you can learn more about Kathy at her website, kathycourtenay.com, and I'll have a hyperlink to her website on my show notes. And let's see a few things before we get on to the conversation. Hey, everybody, help me get some numbers up around my reviews. I've been told by some people that that would help circulate and get more people to be able to listen to the podcast. So, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we would love if you would leave us a review. And if you are pleased of how this podcast sits in your world, if you are inclined to support the podcast by a financial donation, you can go to my website, prepo.com, and leave a one-time donation or a reoccurring donation. It is greatly appreciated. I will say I greatly appreciate it. And on my uh, latest podcast, I've been plugging my new coaching practice, which is an adjunct to my therapy practice. It's called Way Beyond Coaching and Consulting. And I'm really excited to develop uh, coaching groups for individuals and for couples. And I will be starting my first groups in October. The couples group is called Moving Through Conflict to Connection. And the group for individuals is called Creating Healthy Boundaries and Expressing Needs. Both groups will be starting on in October. They will be on different days. They will be two-hour sessions. Uh, we'll have uh, two times a month with a total of three months, so that's six sessions. It's a great way to learn these skills 
It's a wonderful way to also connect with other people that you can be inspired by and also learn from their own experiences and what is popping up in their understanding of the material that we're going to be presenting. I learn really good in groups. And it's nice to have a community that feels that you have continuity over a three-month period. So I'm giving a special discount for this introductory group. You can check them out on my website, prepo.com, and click on the coaching page for the live online coaching groups. So you can access it from your home, from wherever you are. Okay, everybody, I hope you're making yourselves a beautiful, beautiful day. And here we go, my conversation with Kathy Courtney, and we talk about being relational, feeding the us and we in the team of relationships. Let's talk about it. Once again, once again, I love these conversations with you. I know. Hi, yeah. Prepo. Hey. So good to be back. Yeah. How are you feeling today? Very good. Yeah. Feeling really good. You look vibrant. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I uh, realized, I had the realization that I'm actually already living the life that I thought was projected in the future. Mm. And that uh, I have a lot to be grateful for. So you don't have to do a lot of projecting anymore. No. <laughs> nice. I finally realized that my abundance is just the key to my abundance is to really looking at where I'm so abundant already and amplifying it. Mm. So this is another moment. Like mm. I get to sit here with you and talk about shit that I just love yeah. that I could geek out about for yeah. hours. Cool. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's geek out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So we were talking about uh, wanting to have a conversation of a partnership as a team of people really feeling um, an aspect of us and we instead of just me and how do we do that relationally in our communication? Because I think that that's a that's a challenge for a lot of people of how to make room for themselves and be a grounded human individual in the relationship and not get lost in the relationship, but have a strong we. It's definitely um, not the easiest thing. <laughs> I mean, first of all, we live in just such an individualistic society. And a lot of us are in recovery from unhealthy relational patterns, codependency, not really having a good, strong sense of self in, on one hand, yet being very self-focused and driven. And then we has looked like enmeshment for some people and like they lose themselves so to have a sense of a healthy us and a team, what does that mean and how how to find that? Mm-hmm. And most of my own historical relationships, as well as a lot of the people that I see and work with or friends in my communities, I think this is a common a common struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In my relationship, we uh 
there, we have this expression because we saw a movie. I think it was a Tom Cruise uh, sci-fi movie some years ago, and uh, the phrase was, "Are we an effective team?" And <laughs> and I took that as like, yeah, like I have an effective team. My wife and my son. I really feel we're an effective team. And to me, I feel that when I know when my own power, my empowerment shows up with her, I'm like elevated. Like I can't do it without the relationship. I can't experience the aspect of that co-mingling in a, such a beautiful way mm. of strengths from her, strengths from me, strengths that I now see in me because of being in a partnership. That to me is when it works, when I can see that power. Yeah. I have to say what I know about yours and Rainbow's relationship. I've never met Rainbow in mm. person. I would love to meet her sometime. Yeah. But you're one of the few couples that I actually know. There's a few of them, but I don't think it's common, but you're one of the few couples that I know about that seems to really demonstrate that idea of team. Mm. Um, and I know that you, you know, it's a constant practice for you to keep coming back to that. Yeah. Um, is that something, can I ask you a question yeah. about that? Mm -hmm. Is that something that you learned from your parents? Not at all from my parents. <laughs> no, no. I think I, I mentioned they were divorced when I was 12 and they did not have a, a relationship to model. I think, I think one was because of, I wanted that from not growing up in that. But I know this sounds a little silly and kind of cliche, but growing up, very involved in sports and excelling well in sports, I was a great fucking team member. And I was the captain of mm. a lot of my teams. So I was a leader. So I was the one that like brought everybody together and said, look, you know, quit bitching about this, quit, you know, acting like a superstar. We all got to go work together. And I demonstrated it. So I kind of knew how to do that from that way. Like, mm -hmm. let's be a team. Let's celebrate each other. Mm -hmm. Let's not criticize each other and bring each other up. So I think from that experience, I wanted to bring that into my my life with my friends, which I did, and then ultimately with with Rainbow and, mm -hmm. uh, and my son. So I think that's actually where I experienced it and model it from a younger age. That's awesome. I got a, <laughs> I'm smiling because I got a, a flash image of you as a youngster in Detroit, Michigan, pulling your team members together. <laughs> I did. I totally did. I, I was, I, I gave those great pep talks and, you know, <laughs> hugging and yeah. And yeah. yeah. And is that, do you think, what got you into? doing work with couples and, and lifelong work around relationships? I think that my close relationships of friendships was very uh, loving and and uh, I loved being around my friends and joking and and just really comfortable. And I always wanted to make sure that I had that in a partnership, that I mm -hmm. could feel that kind of friendship and that kind of loving. So um, my relationship with my father and and that kind of uh, male love gave me assurance that mm -hmm. I can really show love. It didn't matter. I didn't hide it. Mm -hmm. So that really, that really spurred um, an interest in, and there was no other game in town to me. It's like that juiced me all the time of mm -hmm. how, how to be loving and kind and have a beautiful relationship and navigate friendships and 
other relationships. So, yeah, that's how it kind of started. Nice. So just to go one step further, because you do have a good sense of this us and this team and your family and with you and Rainbow, what for you have been some of the the edges you've had to grow to to be more part of that team, things you've had to adjust inside of yourself? Well, I think um, right off the bat, some of the surface things would be different cultures. You know, Rainbow comes from Denmark. I'm a boy from Detroit. There was some ways in that she thought of, of the world and how she maneuvered in the world that was very different from mine sense of humor, just even, um, yeah, the, the way we ate. So many things were really different. So for me, that there was, I knew I needed to compromise. I needed to compromise in a way that wasn't uh, giving up my values. And I think the biggest one that I remember was when we were, we were in Denmark and we moved um, to, to Europe and trying to find our way around Europe and and we weren't sure where we were going to be and we had Xander was like a year old and we were going to Portugal and we didn't know how long we were going to Portugal and she wanted to take a baby buggy carriage uh, car seats and like four luggages and we don't even know like where we're going and I remember <laughs> My father-in-law was driving us to the airport and I got so frustrated and I took the the baby car seat and just tossed it out the window <laughs> into into a sandbox or something. And I was like, well, fucking pay when we get there for, for a car seat if we need one. <laughs> and I just remember that I thought, I'm not working like a team right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, there, we've got some, we've got some edges, you know, to, to work out and so there were some things of just making room. Like there was a part of me that I, I had a hard time maybe thinking, this is so different, her thoughts. Let me make room for them instead of always butting up against them or I'm, I'm right and not, let me show you how, how yours isn't as thought out as mine is. And, and she'll probably tell you like that, uh, that maybe that just even happened last week because there's still some of that in there. Definitely, <laughs> we're doing about the suitcases about our travel. <laughs> and she she looks at me. She said, "Why do you always have to have it your way?" You know. And so I still have that tendency of trying to make room, you know, for my other team members. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the biggest one was when our when our um, baby died in birth, and and that was over 20 years ago. So for us, I think that was a big thing about about really making a lot of room for each other in our processes and really respecting each other and in, in the grief and and shift and changes uh, of our family at that time. And I think that really was also the catalyst to to really create a situation where that that brought us closer instead mm. of farther apart. Wow. Yeah. I I don't know if I actually knew that about you. Mm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So your grieving process, like, yeah, you see that a lot where a big tragedy like that can do, it can go both ways. It can go both ways. In a couple. And so you worked actively to allow both of you, space for both of you to have your experiences and hold each other in that. Yeah. In the difference and in the similarities of it, how we Mm -hmm. grieve, what we needed, and just really make a lot of room for each other for it. 
Mm-hmm. And of most recently, of um, when Rainbow had a lot of challenges in her physical ailments, and how I kind of expanded to step up to to caretaking. Mm-hmm. And that's just another way of just like instead of like bitching about, it, it's like this is our life right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got to mm-hmm. help her get up in in the middle of the night. So it was there was just more awareness of I like this team, and sometimes I'm going to have to. Uh, that that sports analogy. Sometimes they're going to have to uh, play more than one position, you know. Yeah, yeah. And and instead of resenting it, I I got to see more of myself, my expansion and potential of who I am. And again, that's I think how I love that part of you know pushing against it at first. I'm like I don't want to do this, and then realizing like wow, this is really good for me to stretch. You know, we call it like sacrifice. Well, you know, instead of, I don't feel like I'm sacrificing an essence of myself. I, in some way, I think of it, I'm sacrificing a part of me that's so wedded to thinking of who I am and I put it on sacrifice in order to, to gain more sense of myself. Beautiful. So yeah, you frame it differently as, no, this is not a sacrifice. This is a growing edge for me that's going to eventually, it's actually going to have, serve my expansion. Right. And then also... What's beautiful about that is that you could have, you know, been stuck in your pity party and created, you know, maybe had resentment or resistance. And at the end of the day, that would just bite you in the ass because right. it would create an unhappy environment. So one of the things too, and and uh, you and I were talking before this about we we've both studied and I'm in deep study with uh, Terry Reel's work, relational life therapy and. One of the things he refers to the relationship as a biosphere. So in a sense, you're you're when you're working and operating as a team member as opposed to an individual and you're opening up and expanding with generosity, you're actually creating a more pleasant and loving biosphere that you get to benefit from as well. Exactly. It's not just for rainbow, it's for your entire system. Yeah. you know, and Xander as well. Yeah. I used to love, I never, I, I loved when he was smaller, like, okay, what's our roles? What do you need me to do? Okay. You want me to make the food out here? I'll go change him. And I love that. I love taking mm-hmm. that big role in that, mm-hmm. especially playing off of each other. And we always look at each other and we say like, man, we we worked really well together as parents. And that that's just a joy because I got to see more again of my ability to hold whatever experience that I wanted to have as more of that expansion of that team member. Mm. And instead of pressing up against it and resisting mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. and then and then and there's nothing fair about it. There was no like 50-50 at times. You know, some of you know, when was it 80 and 20? Shit, there's still a hundred right there, right? So it doesn't <laughs> matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome that you have had that experience. And I mean, it's not just that that experience happened to you, it's that you were a really intentional, active participant in creating that. And I, Mo- and that was modeled because I lived with my father when my parents were divorced. So the model was dad is capable, dad's capable of taking me there, cooking or doing things. And, and so I, I just wanna put that out. Like that's one part where I felt like, I wanna be a capable dad. Yeah. I had a single dad in that way that I lived with him in my high school years. And so I think that's an important element that people you know, may get growing up to is that modeling, hopefully. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
It just seems, though, that um, where people get stuck, they get stuck in their own, you know, resentments or fear or threat. There's like a threat of losing losing something or too much sacrifice or the stories that they create of like, oh, I always do this or I never get that. They go into the absolutes and and you often see people in a standoff with each other where they're waiting for some kind of sign of generosity from their partner when they get stuck in this kind of more individualistic approach, you know. Um, and it's hard for people to get beyond that. How do you work with that, with people to get beyond that part of not being generous, not giving their, you know, that part of, go ahead, you you know how to take care of your relationship, so do it, even though you have to do it five times in a row. How, yeah. How do, you, how do you work with Well, I think it's first important to recognize why, when that kind of feeling uh, or state of being is present, oftentimes it's it's more based on the adaptive child inside of them, the ways that they've learned to adapt to their early environment. And oftentimes couples are relating to each other, especially when there's been some unclear, like some history that still has charge in it, you know, a pattern or a dynamic that a couple has been stuck in for a while. And then they relate to each other from these kind of adaptive child parts of themselves as opposed to their wise adult. And the adaptive child is incredibly individualistic. And, you know, those are our adaptations to just less than, than nourishing or nurturing backgrounds. And they worked really well for us. Our adaptations helped us to stay afloat, to survive, you know, we, we have a huge range of them. But it's no place to come from in intimacy. It doesn't create the team environment that you're describing with you and Rainbow. It's like a scarcity me mentality in some way, right? That, that, that adaptive child isn't feeling abundant, isn't, you know, not not, at all. right? They're really fearful of not getting what they need, not getting what they want. Yeah. So first it's just to recognize, oh, that's your adaptive child operating there. And then to help somebody understand or go back to do sort of the inner family of origin trauma healing work in front of their partner so mm. that, because that tends to really open the heart of the other and really help them to see that they don't have to come from that childlike ego state, um, but can actually nurture the child and parent the child within and then relate to their partner for more of their wise adult. Right. Yeah. And that, you know, that happens through a series of, um, first you have to have them recognize it. And then sometimes it's tricky, like for instance, if... Um, in the case of a, a woman that's been wanting more connection from her husband and perhaps he's more of, of an avoidant and is, you know, afraid of intimacy and is, you know, busy at work or just hasn't, doesn't have the skill or hasn't had the skill to really meet their partner, their wife. Um, once you help them open up to that, then the trick is to get the female partner or the you know the one that's been wanting more connection to actually be able to receive it. That's right. Because oftentimes 
they're afraid of intimacy too, really, even though they're saying that they want connection. Um, once their partner turns to them and actually gives them what they want, they're pissed off. Oh, now you're finally going to give it to me? Right. And they, And then the work is to help them actually receive it. Right. So, you know, that's one example. Mm. Um, but, you know, and then to teach, teach people on how to first ask for requests to so change their communication skills, right? Yeah. So if I'm coming from more of an individualistic perspective and my, my history or my pattern has been to try to control to get what I want, but now I need to learn how to actually just make a request, Right. You know, and do it in a way that gives my partner space to say yes or no. Yeah. And so you just have to teach, you know, you have to teach a couple how to readjust to the us and to help them really see the value or the gold and actually changing a lifelong pattern or 10 year pattern or however long it's been and say, yes, I will do that for you. Right. And to use that language, that we language that a lot of people have a hard time using instead of like, would you just understand me? As opposed mm-hmm. to, I really want us to understand each other. Yes. You know, they really come, that that request, can we really hear each other right now instead of, can you just hear me? You know? Right. Yeah. You never hear me. Right. I've never feel heard. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but it could be more like, when I speak, Sweetheart, would you mind just pausing and breathing and let me finish? That would really help me feel like I've been heard. How can I help you to do that for me? Yeah. Right? There's such a difference in that. Exactly. That's bringing an us to solve Mm -hmm. the issue. I call it like kicking a soccer ball back and forth, not at each other. You know, to yeah. to play it around with each other. The issue is what we need to to address, not always just this uh, combative attitude between each other. Right. So it takes you know it takes a lot of uh, practice, and it takes a whole shift in like a paradigm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There also there's a shift that I know that Terry says this too, but I I use it all the time, and I believe it is. It's like, get back to the basics that we learned in kindergarten. Take fucking turns. You know, like that's the big thing when people are going back and forth. It's like, no, 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 no. You go. I'll sacrifice myself now, my righteousness, what I need to say, what I want you to understand, so that you'll be heard. Mm -hmm. Because if you're heard, now you got room to hear me. Yeah. So that big thing about working together also is, can we do that? Can we actually take turns about... Who needs to show up in a way to be heard? Whose mm-hmm. whose frustration is going to get staged? Mm-hmm. Who's fr- and many people have a really challenging time of just pausing and sitting back because they don't have confidence that they're going to uh, be respected enough for themselves to be able to get their needs met later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if one of the partners, uh, the members of the partnership, is frustrated then it may not be the time to then air your frustration or your response. I think in a moment of upset, this is another important skill for an us consciousness, for that team feeling, is to first address, like fully address 
the the upset that's happening in your partner. And maybe at a later time, you can come back to your part of it or something that's still left for you. But if your partner is telling you, I'm really upset, this thing happened and I feel really upset by it, um, the, the appropriate response is, I'm sorry you felt that way. What do you need to hear from me or what do I need to do to have you feel better right now? Yeah. That curiosity is so important too, that mm -hmm. genuine curiosity. I want to know what can I do to help? Yes. Instead of I'm going to tell you what you're doing that's wrong. Yes. Or like, well, well, I need this. <laughs> you need that? Well, okay, I've got this going on and I need this. You know, like sort of a, that power struggle that can happen. Or like you said, it com that comes from a place of scarcity, you know. So that's another really, I think that's another um, trap that people can fall into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, around, I mean, it's not just in relationship between intimate partners, this idea of individualism versus more of an us consciousness or more of a team. Like it, it actually goes, it starts in our own living room with yeah. our own family but it also it's also with our like extended family and our community members and you know it affects i think if from a like a big picture perspective if we can all learn to start shifting to that then it will have a big impact on our communities and our societies and so on and so forth and i think the world at large it's obvious it's really obvious right now with the issues with the environment, with um, all the hatred that's out there, the divisiveness. It it's really a time for us to to start shifting our consciousness from me, me, me to more of an us and a team mentality. Yeah. And it's sad that it takes some crises like nine eleven, right? How New York all came together, you know. Uh, or the world came together in, in some way, you know, is it going to take, you know, an alien invasion to, it's like, we're all humans, you know, it's, <laughs> and, 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 but that the awareness, if it's taken place more, like you're saying, right within ourselves and our family and our community, it's, it's going to automatically shift that paradigm from a, from a societal standpoint. So that's, we know we have to start there. Yeah. And I think all of it starts with, finding relational health. I know the last time we got together, we talked about relationship to self. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking like for people listening, what does it take to move from one consciousness to the other? Mm -hmm. What are the actual, the actual steps, the actual skills? I mean, it's, it's nice to sit and listen to this lovely conversation, but um yeah, what is it what does it take for you know your average person out there struggling in relationships or to really make that shift? And you know, I would say for like for me, um one of the things that I'm not afraid to share is that you know, I have more codependent tendencies. And for instance, I haven't had good boundaries. I've been a people pleaser. I've been afraid sometimes to speak what's really true for me um, out of fear of losing a relationship, out of the fear of um, disharmony and upset. And um, when I'm operating in that place, 
in the past, it's less available to me to actually allow an us, to allow somebody else's perspective, to allow somebody else's experience. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if I don't have good boundaries and I'm not taking care of myself, I, I'm basically the affect of everything happening around me. And I, I'm like relying on you to be a certain way to make me feel okay. So, but if I have a clear boundary of this is me and that's you and it's okay that we have differences and it's okay that your experience is different from mine, if I'm, you know, it, it, it sort of allows that more because I know that I have my own back, I know I'm standing in my own sovereignty, but I'm also available for the greater us. But if it's not clear, then it all just feels um, sort of like it's pressing on me and like it's a threat. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. So I guess when it comes back to skills, you know, I would, I would, I would ask people like, how are your boundaries? Are they too rigid? Are they too open? How are you at speaking what's really true for you? Mm -hmm. how, how are you at asking for, like asking requests? And how good are you at taking accountability and responsibility? Because yes. I think when we do do that, that's enabled us to know that I'm gonna take part in what my influence, let's say, of this conflict is this is my part and I'm gonna stand it. And when I do that, then my partner has more trust in me that I know how to take care of the relationship and not just blame it on her, that I'm gonna make the changes within myself to better the we. Mm -hmm. So I think the accountability and responsibility, which also means you gotta really foster good self-compassion. Yes. Because if we don't have self-compassion, we're gonna just go down the shame route and blame ourselves and the inner critic's gonna get really loud yeah, And so I think that's a big skill in that way of going towards us is really being able to take accountability. And the, I think the most difficult accountability is when I know that I don't see it at the moment, but what Rainbow sees it and how she presents it to me, mm -hmm. for me to like take that accountability, like to allow influence from my partner mm -hmm. that she may see a part of my behavior that I'm not taking accountability in. Mm -hmm. To me, that's that's the challenge of when I take accountability. like. What are you, you telling me that? Yeah. The defensive part instead of being open, like, oh, wow, thanks, team member. You see that my <laughs> arm is, is, is cocked like this. That's why I'm not hitting the ball. Thanks for that tip. Yes. I think, like, that's the part instead of like the work is that those feedback and that those uh, observations and the witnessing is beneficial. It's not a mm -hmm. critical um, energy for the other person. Correct. So in that vein, like how would you give an example of a way that you're able to receive that feedback versus a way that brings up your defensiveness really easily? Because it's some of it's in the delivery, mm. for sure. A lot of it's in the delivery. A lot of it's in the delivery. And some of it is is in, you know, the receiver your self-resource at the time, your your self-esteem, all of that kind of stuff. So would you talk a little bit about yeah. the delivery part? The delivery is, um, it's an art form, I think, in so many ways, because 
we can have a blueprint to it, but there's a lot of nuance and feeling the timing and the energy. There's, is the person, are they resourced right now to be able to maybe see this? And so I think there's a lot of understanding that, knowing your partner, knowing your capability in that way. I also think it's really good to uh, ask in, in feedback, like how would you like me to bring that to your attention when this happens again? Because if I don't know, how in the hell is my partner gonna know what to do? And Rainbow and I, like around parenting, we we came to this this patent sentence and that we agreed upon. It's like, hey, are you open to hear some observations of how I just saw you and Xander interact? I know that it's probably not gonna be like the the most great, wonderful, prepo dad expression <laughs> that she's gonna reflect back to me. <laughs> but I also know that it's not, it's, she wants to help me be the father that I want. Yeah. And asking if I'm available is really important because if I'm not available, I gotta say no. Mm -hmm. I gotta say, no, I'm not. Mm -hmm. And I gotta say when I will be, you know, that's also an agreement, it's just not stonewaller. But asking I think is so important. So we, we made that agreement to each other, like how could I ask you in what ways? So I think that that's really important because we do that often, okay, so how could I have said that in what way would have, would you have taken that a lot easier? And, you know, it's like, or, hey, don't, don't walk up into the bathroom and ask me about that at this moment, you know, when, so I think it's, it's giving each other feedback without the criticalness, more of the feedback of like, we want this to really win. Like we want to win together on this. We want to thrive on this. So that's, I think, an important element to, yeah. To ask. It sounds, what I hear in that is that you're assuming positive in, intent from each other. Like you're coming That's wonderful from- wonderful to sum that up that way, right? Yeah, you're, you're mm. coming from a place where you both know that you're assuming positive intent. I mean, that's an amazing beginning right yeah. there. And then asking, asking if it's the right time or if there's permission for it. Love it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that just gets the nervous system ready to receive that information. It's like you can, you know in your own body- when you're in a space for that and when you're not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then? And then I also think that it's so vital to have in our, I always think about my relationship is more important than any content that we're talking about. Like whatever conflict or whatever I think is important between us, I'm not gonna let that content get in between the foundation of our relationship. So hopefully when when I'm when I'm grounded in many ways, I can remember remember who the fuck I'm talking to. I'm yeah. talking about I'm talking to somebody I love and care about and spend twenty seven years of my life together and mm -hmm. shared this. And so if I can remember that, that's part of the positive intent, but that's also an aspect of putting that as the container of how we're gonna discuss this or how we're gonna be open to figure this out amongst each other, to remember care and love and to um, have those words to follow in that energy. Mm -hmm. So that's an important part, like that, that rainbow is not my enemy. Yes. And even though she might say some things or bring some things to my attention that might be painful, that's more, a healing process that I know I need to go through. She, like, she, she, like you said, with positive intent, she is not intentionally hurting me. Mm -mm. I also think it's helpful just to add to that 
I was recently coaching somebody, um, CEO of um, this company. She was about to be receiving uh, some feedback, some challenging feedback from the team. And um, I coached her in not only just separating out herself personally from the team or from like the company, but also grounding herself in her breath. Knowing, so in, in the case of you and Rainbow, or if this happens in a partnership, okay, I'm about to hear some difficult things. How can I support myself the best in the listening of it? And so sometimes I help people with box breathing, just the, you know, in for four, hold for four, exhale for four, and hold for four. And it calms the nervous system. And so like there's there's things we can also do as the person about to receive that feedback to set us up for the best success. Right. So breathing or for some people it may be just, you know, grounding into the weight of their pelvis on the seat or their feet on the floor or... Or even shaking to just get the residual of the holdings. Mm -hmm. I think also as a couple, when we, what I do, and I state this a lot that I think is so important, when we do want to talk about a challenging issue, we'll go for a walk. Mm -hmm. The movement of that, and we'll hold hands before we talk about it because now there's a connection. We're walking forward in a forward motion of our relationship, and we're looking at the same viewpoint. Beautiful. Right, and so it's very difficult to get angry while I'm walking, hand, well, holding hands and walking. I can get angry when I let go of the hand and look at her and yeah, stop. Yeah, yeah. So that's a, that's a couple connection for us Beautiful. that enables that connection for the, for the communication of receiving of the feedback. That's beautiful. Yeah, the hand holding and what you talked about, I'm sure that affects the neurology. Yeah. Of of the receptivity. And the cortisol levels go down, right? Yeah. When you hold somebody's hand and touch them, that's a safe person, cortisol automatically goes down. That's really sweet. Mm-hmm. What about you? Can you think of another? Another what? Another uh, skill level to help people um, be able to receive some feedback mm-hmm. that might be challenging. Mm-hmm. I think to, um, you know, one of the things that I'm working on personally is at times I can see the glass half empty. <laughs> so there may be something that uh, I've experienced a few times and I'm feeling frustrated. And the way that I present it, You know, instead of coming from more of a negative place of like, you always say that, or you always, you always say that thing, you know, every time I do this, you know, some of those absolutes, instead turning it into a positive, I think we talked about this already, but just really communicating it in a way that's more uplifting than it is critical. Right. And bringing the person towards you instead of kind of pushing them away. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's just, I don't know, it's so simple, but I think it's easy to forget. So, you know, turning it in in an uplifting, positive way. And again, asking that question, how can I help you to help me in a sense, to create a a more successful us? Mm -hmm. 
And I think too, like, it's also okay in the middle of hearing feedback to say, I need a pause. Can we just pause a minute? Yeah. Um, but I recently had a great example of this and I felt really good about it because like I said, I'm in recovery from not speaking the things. And there was just an example of, you know, I got in the car and I wasn't driving. My sweetie was driving. And I I was just feeling a little bit anxious about driving. It was like late at night and we'd been out and and um I said, can you just assure me that you're, you know, that you're good to drive? We'd had, you know, very little to drink, but there was still a little bit and and I just needed some assurance. And he automatically went into, well, why don't you trust me? <laughs> like he felt slighted that mm. I, you know, would after all this time not trust that he's got he's got it. And um, at that moment, I I caught it, and I was like, no, 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 this is not about you right now. This is irregardless of you. Right now, the appropriate <laughs> response is to just say, yes, babe, it's all all is good. You know, like how much does that take right. to just do that? Right. And how many times do we get stuck in that kind of response? Like, why don't you just trust me? Right. No, this is not about you. This is my particular nervous system that needs soothing right now. How hard is it going to be to just attend to that? Right. Yeah. And uh, and it took a few times of like, you know, there was a bit of resistance. Like, no, 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 but really, I can't believe you would, <laughs> you wouldn't just trust. No, 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 no. This is not about Good for you. you. This is just right now. All I need is a hand and a reassurance and we can move on. So sometimes, you know, and that's just a small, small. micro moment, but think about it. But that's what micro moments make up the relationship. So that's so important. Micro moments really do make up the relationship. And I'm really recognizing that. And I'm recognizing for myself so many micro moments of not catching it and what the result of that was. You know, I'm in a reset moment, which is great. Um, it's all been a gift. Yeah. It's all been a gift. Yeah. But I really am getting that. It's those micro moments. And it's it's the times where our partner just needs to hear something our partner just needs um, a hand on their back or... Yeah, just be held in their fears or concerns instead exactly. of rationally tell them why the plane's not going to crash. Exactly. Right. Like h- half the time it may be irrational, but that doesn't matter. No. It no. really doesn't matter. Right. And that takes me to like, you know, when we get caught in these battles of who's right and who's wrong, that doesn't matter either at all. Oh, that's right. Like that, that's something we really need to watch in partnership. And it's really up to the partner that's a little more resourced in that moment. And it doesn't matter who that is. You're right. You know, it, it doesn't, it's not helpful to keep tally. I hear people say all the time, I'm also always the one that, yeah. 
brings these things up or I'm always the one that has to remind you know, I'm the one that plans all the time yeah like get over it right. so maybe your partner is the one that always cleans out you know the trash or exactly. whatever <laughs> so when you catch yourself in those situations where you're arguing over you know what the waiter actually said mm -hmm. It's time to really abandon those conversations totally. because there is no good that comes from that. Yeah. It does not matter. That's right. People hear me. <laughs> I'm going to do a solo cast on on uh, about being right. You know, I've been putting it in here and there in some podcasts, but I haven't done a full-blown podcast about the addiction of being right and how detrimental yeah. that is because uh, I'm guilty as charged, you me know, too. big time in it. So. I think it's important. Me you know too. what I want to uh, state before we're, we're going to wrap up soon is is uh, also I think what's so important in the we is that we celebrate each other. You know that mm. that we celebrate. You know that I celebrate my partner's uh, aliveness, their uh, wonderfulness when they triumph over something, when they're going out with friends and they're having a really good time, when they're spending some time on a project that's important to them. If I'm celebrating that instead of being jealous of it or criticizing it, that's the we, because I know when my wife celebrates me going out and me connecting with other people or something that I do that she knows juices me, I get to bring that back into the relationship and mm. she gets benefit from it. So that's something that we've learned over the years too, when you asked that question earlier. That's one thing that I know that is so important that we celebrate those dare I say, individual um, connections in some way that encourage the person to bring it back into the relationship, not hide. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. you and Rainbow are really good with celebration and appreciation. Mm -hmm. um, I also think it's great to celebrate when you know your partner is, is working on something in themselves um, and you notice it, you notice their improvements pointed out because you want them to do it more yes <laughs> actually it was funny i pointed out the other day um my guy asking a request because it's not in his habit to actually ask for requests but may get upset you know if something hasn't been hasn't come to him but he hasn't actually even asked for it mm. So he's starting to ask and make requests, and I get so excited. Nice. Like, yes, well yeah. done. Yeah, I think really, and, and appreciating when your partner has contributed to the us in a way, or has been generous, or, you know, looking back a couple of days before, you know, I wanted to bring up how much I appreciated when you did X. Exactly. Right. This is what it did for me, and I know that's not easy for you, and I really, really love that babe. You know, mm. just and same with everybody in our lives, exactly. same with our kids, same with our friends, with our families. Continue to, to really appreciate even those small micro moments that we talked about. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it just releases endorphins, and I find for myself, when I'm appreciating somebody else, it it it's it's almost like a selfish act because I love it. It's so healthy for you. Oh, I right? love giving appreciation. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I think that's another way to really celebrate the the team and yeah. to keep keep it going. You know, yeah. keep moving in that positive direction, looking forward at that same. I love that image of walking, holding hands, looking forward at the same perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, there's so much more about all of this, yeah, but this is, is a, a sweet beginning. Well, thank you, podcast team. <laughs> thank yeah, you, Kathy, podcast I love this. team. Yeah, I appreciate it. I really do. I appreciate the energy that you bring to it, the conversations, the, your skill and knowledge and your vulnerability and your oh, ownership. So thank you, you too. I love having these conversations with you. Thank you. And I always feel inspired by your sharing of what you and Rainbow do. Mm. And just, I don't know many couples that have been together the length that the two of you have and still hold a happiness and a joy together. Mm. And so I'm so grateful that you have that as a model for me and for everybody that listens. And um, and I know it's like an ongoing practice. It's not something that you've arrived at. It's something that the two of you continuously have your eye on the ball. And I think that's the thing is that relationships... Um, it's a continual practice. It's it's an ongoing daily practice. So, you know, I think um, you model that beautifully. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. All right. Thanks, Prepo. Thank you. Relationships. Let's talk about it is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more about licensed counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit prepo.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling or therapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment and does not constitute medical or other professional advice.